What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Inking Out Loud. I'm your host, Rob Santos, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Drew McCaffrey. How's it going, everybody? And returning once more to wrap up our coverage of Mistborn the Final Empire is none other than Mr. Daniel Green. What's up, Daniel? Not too much. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a nice uh, day of thunderstorms in Richmond, which I'm a fan of. That's not a negative. I like some booms, really? so I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, we had a few of those a couple days ago. You must have got them from us. I'm thinking. Maybe. Very lucky. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I have no idea where in the world you are. <laughs> I'm in southern Ontario, so I think I'm just west, huh. northwest of you. Something like that. But anyway, uh, since we're finishing the book today, gentlemen, uh, you know, nothing from the final empire itself is off limits in terms of spoilers for today. But we will still, you know, abstain for, from spoilers for the next two books. And this still isn't to say that we're not going to be taking our gloves off completely for the Cosmere-wide discussion that we normally have, you know, about three-quarters of the way through the episode. So we will still be doing that as well. But for now, let's just focus on Mistborn, the final empire, and the ending of that book. Drew, recap the ending for us. Yeah, so where we left off, Vin had just been injured uh, trying to break into Credit Shaw with Kelsier. Well, she recovers, surprise, surprise, and goes back to the balls and starts developing more of a relationship with Elend while the rest of the crew is doing their thing, recruiting the army. But Yedin, uh, when he takes command of the army for his turn out in the caves, makes a colossal error, marches the army out, gets about two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the army killed, and uh, they have to dramatically alter their plans because of that. Vin continues going to the balls, but they start becoming more and more sparse because a house war is brewing. And Marsh infiltrates the ministry, but he uh, appears to be killed. And in retaliation for his brother's death, Kelsier heads on out to the pits of Hathson and destroys them with Allomancy. And that really sets off the chain of events at the end of this book. Um, in retaliation for the pits being destroyed, uh, the Lord Ruler captures a bunch of people and is intending to execute them, and that includes Spook and Lord Renault. Uh, Kelsier saves them and takes down an Inquisitor in one-on-one -on -one combat, but then is in turn killed by the Lord Ruler. That sparks a full-on rebellion in Luthadel. Vin heads into Credic Shaw, figures out the secret of the Lord Ruler. He is, in fact, Rashik, the Terrasman Pacman, not Elendi, the writer of the logbook, and kills him. So where we're left at the end of this book the crew is kind of in charge of things in Luthadel, and Vin is learning to trust again. Yeah, I'm really, I'm so jealous of your ability to wrap so much information inside two minutes, two and a half minutes. <laughs> I mean, I had, to, I had to skip over a few things there. I didn't bring up uh, Vin's Mistborn duel with Lady Sean. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was this part, wasn't that. it? Yeah. Damn it. You can tell it's been a while that. since I went through this book. It's been a few days. Wow. Um, yeah, so much to talk about. Holy crap. Like, diving straight into style here. Like, I want to point out one thing, just preliminarily. And it's a very, very minor point. Just something small that I'm going to be bringing forward, you know, in the future. But when Vin and Ham learn about this surprise attack that Yidin, for whatever reason, decided to, to take upon himself, she felt a sudden chill. I just want to point out that particular choice of words, and I'll be returning to it in the future. That's all I want to say to start this off. Where do you guys want to start? Um, I was actually really, 
what struck me here, so in the first book, I'm, I'm, in the first half of this book, I'm not saying that it's slowly paced, but it's much slower than the last half. The first half of this book is a jog, like it's, it's a leisurely jog. It's not, and then the second half is like almost a sprint. Not that it's rushed, it just feels like so much is packed in to so little time. Um, mm -hmm. I find that to be really striking, how it doesn't start slow, it starts average pace, maybe a little bit more, and then it just kind of da -da -da, ups real quick at the end. And then how much of a conclusion it feels like. Like, it, I get how so many people who aren't, like, in the fantasy circles, they read Mistborn, and they're like, oh, that was it. There's no sequel. Because it's a very done conclusion. Um, and you, it even leaves kind of the impression of me of, like, there's not a sequel. But there absolutely is, of course, as you guys were talking mm -hmm. about. Plug for your next episode. Be sure to tune in. Um, yeah, right. But it kind of has this, like, very much so solid conclusion. It really follows the uh, typical hero story structure where you have them at their lowest point around the two-thirds mark and then it comes up from there as you mentioned the army falls apart Vin's injured like there's so much that's knocking them down and I actually like how so in, in that situation you know you always have like the threat of oh what if we just go charging in with our limited resources but the, the tr this trope is like oh they don't do that they regroup and they do something smarter Brandon kind of went against that trope by having Kelsier just go balls to the wall and charge in yeah, yeah. and be like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it. And it worked out yep. really well. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate the second half of this book more, and I'm surprised at how fast... I was burning through pages at even a faster rate. I mentioned how fast I was burning through pages in our first episode. It was mm -hmm. even more so here in the second one. Can't blame you, though. I mean, especially okay. with this this fight between Kelsier and the, the Inquisitor. I oh. love what Brandon, that, that little quirk that Brandon has with point of view that he employs here in this particular scene where we, it's the, the, everything is kicked off from Vin's point of view as they recognize, you know, some of the prisoners as being from Renew's caravan and we see Spook there. But then we get this omniscient sort of pullback and Sanderson sets the scene again, starting from the beginning again in a very similar fashion that he did in the prologue Dead and dying men collapsed to the cobblestones. Ska crowded the roads. Prisoners cried out, calling his name. Heat from a smoky sun burned the streets, and ash fell from the sky. Like that? Did that yank in focus kind of pull you out of the story at all? Because for me, it landed perfectly. But I could, I could see how maybe some people would be a little jarred by that. It's a very distinct point, like where the narrative leaps forward, almost like out of control, as you were saying, Daniel. But I'll still argue that this is one of the like. Sanderson's greatest and most appropriate action sequences of all time. I loved it. How about you guys? Uh, I think it didn't pull me out at all. I think it accomplished exactly what it wanted to, which is to remind you of that feeling you had of Kelsier at the beginning of the book, where he mm. felt like this chaotic factor, like this all-powerful being that you weren't quite sure of. And Kelsier has maintained an air of mystery up to this point. He, he ne you never feel like you fully get Kelsier. And at this yeah. point, having him reintroduced in a fashion that harkens back to that it to me was like, oh right, he's this badass mofo. Like he's this guy. Yeah. Sorry, sorry yeah. for the swearing, but that's he, okay, man. He hits hard. Um, for in my head, it's like when like a DJ drops a beat. It's like, oh okay, right, this is Kelsier. Like we are here. You're gonna feel yeah. it in your chest. It's so nice to see him just take that weight off and just go absolutely berserk. Oh, I've been waiting for that so much, Drew. Yeah, I I will say I was taken out a little bit by that the specific line, you know, Ash fell from the sky. Um, yes. But only because I was reading the book the way I was. If I were that just reading Mistborn for, for fun, on like, you know, just some random reread, it wouldn't have struck me 
as it did when I'm like kind of taking this more in-depth critical reading of it. And what it is is that it, it stands out to me, and there were a couple other points that stood out to me like that, that were Brandon writing this cinematic scene. They, you can just tell he was writing this, picturing a movie of it in his head. Because there were lines here and there, and, and things that happened here and there, that are just full-on, like, you know, Marvel superhero landing on the ground in the cool pose, you know, as the ash falls from the sky, that kind of a thing. And that's why it took me out. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, and that's no, really yeah. just, like, me being More. a really critical reader. Uh, but... I, I do agree. I mean, the, the action scene, the spectacle in that is one of the greatest things he's written. It, it, it's one of my favorite scenes. I mean, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. But uh, it's one of my favorite scenes he's ever done, period. Not just in this book. Yeah. Agree? It, it's where you see Brandon's potential as an author shine through the brightest. Like, because, you, you know, there, we've mentioned in the last episode, there are definite, like, he's improved from here things. But this shows that he knows what he's doing, even back all the way to this point, where he can craft a scene that is going to be like, it's going to stick with you all the way through Brandon's career. Um, no. It's well crafted, it hits well, it's well written. Um, I would even say it's one of the few times where he, he doesn't hold his prose back. To me, all of a sudden, his prose elevate a little bit, and it reads better, mm -hmm. um, and he grows beyond that Brandon well-known flaw of he won't write beautifully. I found this to be kind of beautiful. I found yeah. it to be like a poetic instance in his writing. Yeah, you definitely get the sense that in in the same manner that Brandon is, you know, unshackling Kelsier as a character, he's also unshackling himself. And he's just everything. He's putting everything he has into writing this scene. And you get that sense. It comes through. It bleeds through to the reader. And you're just left there white-knuckling your, your, your book or your cell phone or, in my case, your welding gun. <laughs> you <know? laughs> it's, it was... Absolutely phenomenal what, what Sanderson manages to do, and especially how he manages to bring so many different pieces together into this to get to give you all these different stakes and all these different parties to root for. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point to make in that it reads as one of those scenes, you know, not just with Brandon Sanderson, with any writer. You're reading their book and you get to certain scenes and you just know just from the way they they're written, the the spectacle on the page, how the words start flowing, you just know that it was a scene the author was excited to write. It was a scene hmm. that the author was looking forward to writing from the moment they started working on the draft, that kind of a thing. It, that there's, there's this emotion and momentum to the words, not just to the plot. And, and that's, that's a really cool thing to, to you know, stumble over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's also worth noting Sanderson's proclivity to, to, to sort of shift away from this particular scene. I just want to talk about his, his uh, ability to take everything away from you before f fulfilling all of these promises. <laughs> like, in rapid succession, think about what happens in this book. <clears throat> Pardon, in the second half of this book, we lose the, well, not the entire rebel army, but the vast majority of the rebel army, along with Yeadon, you know, the, uh, the, the patron of this particular job, the leader of the Ska Rebellion, in a huge blunder, then Vin supposedly loses Ellen, for those who are, you know, invested emotionally in that relationship. We next lose Marsh. Literally, we lose Marsh in what is apparently a horrifying and gruesome way. We see Kelsier go on this blood-drunk rampage of the pits of Hath-Sin. And then we see the Renew Caravan captured. And then we, we have this epic battle where Kelsier kills first an Inquisitor, and then we lose Kelsier. 
Like, Brandon is just so good at making you lose every little thing. Vin assaults the palace, and her plan to, to attack the Malatium Shadow, it, that fails. Then Marsh arrives, and we get this little spark of hope. It's like, oh, he's killed the Inquisitors. Maybe he has a secret. He rips the Lord Ruler's cloak off of his own back, and Marsh fails. It's just every time you think you have another reason to go forward, Brandon just squashes it ruthlessly. And then from the unlikeliest of sources, this cascade, the secret. It's just, it's so indicative of, of Sanderson's style to build that threat up so much and then knock all of it down at once. It's got like this just this exuberance of an author who was as young as he is, writing in a genre as old as this is. I just I thought it was top notch. So controversial statement. Uh, I people some Brandon fans refuse to acknowledge he has a formula. He does. Brandon has a formula. Yeah. But I can agree. this is proof it works. He builds these moments really well, and he does them in similar fashions. Uh, but to me, this is him showing that people don't want to admit the fact that, like, in storytelling, in literature, it's predictable what people will like. Because, you know, the people know the typical heroic arc, like the different uh, acts of storytelling. Brandon uses those, and he kind of just shapes them in into making this, and he changes who the characters are, the setting. But to me, I'm not angry about it. I'm not going to criticize him about it because he's working within what's known in storytelling. When people point at his formula, he's just working with known storytelling things. Uh, he's not varying mm -hmm. from them a whole lot, which a lot of people are doing right now. It's popular to do that. But I think he does it extraordinarily well. Um, he's not trying to subvert everything like an Abercrombie or a Martin, but he's walking what's known, and he's proving that this older style of storytelling in terms of you're going to you know, see these beats coming still absolutely works when handled masterfully that's my that's my yeah, and it can still be fresh yeah it still can be yeah, fresh and I, I don't know i think it's interesting how you brought up like that it's uh, a little bit of an older storytelling style and that ties back to daniel your point earlier about how there is such a solid conclusion to this book that you can mm -hmm. read just the final empire and if you wanted you could just stop and you could be satisfied with the story mm -hmm. uh mostly satisfied with the story um but i think that's a product of the time you know the, he was writing this book the, the early draft of of mistborn and the early draft of final empire in the early 2000s you know the height of the wheel of time popularity the height of uh you know right when a song of ice and fire was getting popular and sort of truth was popular and all of these things and that was a time in publishing where you could write series but you had to nail the first book authors oh. rarely just got signed to a series they'd sell one book and if it sold well then they get the contract for books two and three and maybe four five six seven whatever and so you got a lot of first books in series that have this sort of solid conclusion but you know a couple of a couple of little things in there to set up a potential second book but it's not like the way of kings where <laughs> It was always going to be a series. The first book absolutely in no way is a complete story. You know, yeah. like, it's, it, it's interesting to, to compare how Brandon, even though he is known as one of the most, you know, popular series writers, how many standalone novels does he have that are truly standalones? A lot well, of he's going is back going to be part and, of a series. Yeah, he's going back Warbreaker and changing is going to be part of a series. Yeah, right. like, and so... So seeing some of these earlier books that he wrote, knowing, like, 
I want to make this a series. I don't know if I'll be able to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I've totally see your point, and maybe like you know I, now you're making me think like was it a, a 50-50 shot? He originally chose Mistborn to be a series versus Warbreaker, and because Mistborn just happened to sell better, he went okay, let's go that way. I don't know. Probably not. This feels more series esque than Warbreaker. I mean, Warbreaker to me is done, and I don't yeah. know where he's gonna go from there. Uh, but I think, well, okay, we, I don't want, okay, I almost just bit major Cosmere spoilers. You guys got to keep me in check. All right, you guys <laughs> need to be, yeah, it's yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it wouldn't be the first time we've had to censor something like that. Usually it comes from me. Okay. Yeah, but, but I mean, that, that is a thing, you know, where, where he had this Cosmere planned and, uh, but when he was writing Mistborn versus when he was writing Warbreaker, it was much less fleshed out. And so it's easier for him to say, okay, you know, like, I'm going to do this and we'll see if it works here. Whereas at the point in his career when he was publishing Warbreaker, he had a little more confidence, mm-hmm. uh, a, a little more, um, you know, of a foundation in the publishing industry. He's, he's sold some books. He's, I, I believe with Warbreaker, by the time that was published, he'd been uh, announced as finishing the Wheel of Time, right? Oh, yeah. No, Warbreaker was 09 and he was announced in December yeah. of 08. No, oh, 07. Yeah. What am I saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Warbreaker came out right before Gathering Storm. That's right. Yeah, he had finished yeah. already the Hero of Ages and published the mm-hmm. Hero of Ages before he released Warbreaker. I always remember because he took over Wheel of Time the same year Iron Man came out, and that's that's how I remember it. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of a, okay, of a connection between the two. And and yeah, not so really. It's just for some that. reason that sticks in my head. Sorry, in your memory. Why. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of related. I see that. That associated yeah, memory. You there. can really see, like, a. a a change in how he wrote books and, and how his books were edited and published in their final versions, kind of along that demarcation of uh, the Wheel of Time. Because that, that was such a foundational moment in Brandon's career where suddenly he's got the clout, he's got the fan base, he could do what he wants now. He doesn't have yeah. to tiptoe around the normal publishing rules that apply to everybody else. Yeah, He can write uh, a 10-book series if he wants to. Like... <laughs> But when he wrote Mistborn, who knew? Yeah, there, there's a there's a really he interesting knew. thing there in terms of his... I think he wrote more confidently as well. I think he was walking very firmly down his path as an author. Then he got pulled out and did this Wheel of Time thing. And that's like being thrown into the heavyweight division. And he just, mm-hmm. you know, and he did well. He was well-received. And I think because of that, as he got back into his own writing more thoroughly, he is writing more confidently. He's writing more, for lack of a better word, epically. Uh, in that sense, because it's like, oh yeah, I just took over and finished one of the greatest fantasy series America's ever produced. I think I can do this. And, you know, he just carries off from there. It'd be really interesting to see if he had been received negatively for Wheel of Time, what he'd be doing creatively now, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah, man, what what a timeline that would have been. (laughs) (laughs) That would truly be the darkest fantasy timeline. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. They tap. He only does one book. He fails, so they tap Gary Goodkind instead. It's it's awful. It's the oh worst my god! <laughs> oh. You're just so you're oh. so determined to get me to hate on Terry Goodkind every time you're on the episode. No, here, eh? you guys <laughs> know brought him up you say last the name, time. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start throwing shade. <laughs> you guys brought him up last time, and I was like, no, I did. I'm not gonna engage. And then now this time, I saw it opening for a this joke, is, and I these went. These are my just desserts. <laughs> Never oh, have they been sweeter. <laughs> oh, man. That's the end of my style discussion points. Do you guys have anything else about the style in the second half of this book before we jump into so, characters? I have one more style point, and this kind of ties Bring into it. plot in general. So okay. in our, our first episode, we talked about one of 
I think one of the most common criticisms of books in general, and that is when people accuse characters of being Mary Sue's, and we kind of discussed like, you know, what that means is like a self-insert character uh, versus a Mary Sue, and and where Vin falls in that. And now on this one, I kind of wanted to discuss another one of the most common criticisms leveled against fantasy and science fiction. That is the Deus Ex Machina. Uh, do you think the end of this book included a Deus Ex Machina? Uh, yeah. A well hidden one. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's uh, you can really argue otherwise. I like it. I love it. But yeah, sure. Why not? What's it's, wrong with that? It's one that's well hidden in its justification. You're, you can't... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a like, more it's like It's like giving a dog a pill wrapped in cheese. All right? We love it because the cheese is delicious, but the pill's there. <laughs> I found it yeah. to be a little more obvious that this time, you know, on, on many, many more reads, and I, the, the hints were, sit, were, were throwing themselves out at me this time. I was actually considering, like, how would this first read of mine have been different if I hadn't discovered Sanderson until my later 20s? I would have probably been, like... Oh, this is this is kind of a little heavy-handed here, isn't it? But no. Well, I, so I, here's here's what I'm specifically talking about is Min, uh, uh, Min, Vin burning the mists, because reading this back, with all the... we have all the context, but it is out of context through the first book. There is no reason given for why this is possible. It just happens. We know, yeah, having finished the series, that there is a reason for it, but it's not a reason that we get until much later on. True. And so because of that, I think, yes, this does qualify, uh, qualify as a deus ex machina. And I remember the first time I read Mistborn, that was the only thing I didn't like about the book. I was like, what the heck is this? Like, where did that come from? All their problems are solved by something that just came out of nowhere and has no explanation. And I was frustrated by that. Even 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 with all of the all the hints that Vin is somehow different than other Mistborn, but, but that it's kind of in the name. Those Mist don't like, tell you anything. Those don't. Yeah, they don't tell you. you they don't really link much for it. We don't but, get yeah. the answer. We don't we don't understand the mechanism behind it until much later on. See, There's I'm gonna nothing I'm gonna, in the first book to explain it. I'm gonna agree with Rob here. I think Rob's got the point where it's like it's like a Neo starts breaking the Matrix. I was just like, you know what? I love it. I'm not gonna question it. It's fine. <laughs> the anomaly. It's like it's cool. <laughs> yeah, he is. Oh, uh, more re more Matrix references. I can get way behind those. Hell yes. <laughs> um, I was just so, like, all right, because it's just Vin's the chosen one, so she can do this, and that's fine. That's that was my that was my thing. <laughs> she is special somehow. I I just think that is something, especially that Brandon now. Brandon had written The Final Empire in 2020, he would have executed that better. That, that so he you, would have found a way to work in the real explanation earlier before it happened, even if you don't realize what that explanation was until much later. So, Drew, right now you are confirming, as Brandon is writing the 2020 Mistborn script, he is changing this. You are saying, without question, that is being changed <laughs> for the script. You have insider you knowledge. You heard it here first, everyone. You heard it here, on Breaking the News. Out Loud podcast. Insert the fantasy news theme. Uh, <laughs> yep. I, I, will, I will neither confirm nor deny anything, but I will also say, <laughs> one of the things we discussed last week, uh, and that being my criticism of the uh, gender makeup of the crew... Brandon has made the decision to yeah. make a couple of members from the crew in his new screenplay women. 
and yep. I am very really? excited to Good. see. Okay, okay. He, he listened to that. Well, episode. I'm very excited I don't to know see how, how that plays out. But he clearly did. I was yeah, like, yeah. while I was recording that fantasy news, I was thinking, like, didn't Drew literally say this? I was like sitting here, like, what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt I felt pretty good about that one when he live streamed like it, two days after we recorded, it. and Close he just is just this crotchety old woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he said uh, Dachshund and Ham are both going to be women in the screenplay. I think his real quote was, Drew said I oh, should damn, do this. There I go, cursing. So I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gave you permission. Uh, uh, right. But on that note, do we want to head into character? I do yes. want to head into characters. Who do you, who do you want to start with? All, all right, right. all right. So right oh, away, oh, Kelsier is the like, most yeah. overhyped piece of. No, I'm kidding. All right, go ahead. Wait a second, man! You had me in the first half there. I got so excited to start. <laughs> he clinched. He clinched. Oh my goodness! I actually okay. would like to talk about the Lord Ruler. Is that all right? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Because that to me, we, we we talked a lot about Vin and Kelsier in the first episode, which we needed to, right? Because that has to happen. But we couldn't because hmm. of spoilers. Talk about the Lord Ruler. I think this is top. 10 one book fantasy villains of all time. If yes. you're just hauling, saying one book fantasy villains, I'd say this is top 10. Because of the subversion of he was a chosen one who failed and all this stuff, his representation, the believable change, the chapter inserts we talked about, all of that builds up for him upon especially rereads being an insanely intriguing villain. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And especially going from that idea that I talked about in, in the first episode with the logbook where you're given the impression that you're reading the Lord Ruler's account and then that twist, it was never the Lord Ruler's account. The Lord Ruler wasn't the hero that failed. The Lord Ruler is the guy who made the hero fail. Oh, that's like, right, that's right, that's right. Oh my God, I just brain farted hard, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and how the logbook, which is set up in such a way that you're like, okay, this is going to include the the key hint that this is going to be what gives our heroes the information they need to defeat the Lord Ruler. And then they finish reading the logbook. It's finished translated, and there's no hint in there for them. And they're like, well, crap. There was nothing about the 11th medal. There was, you know... And then, in that twist at the same time, at the end, the hint was in the logbook all along. Yeah. Like... Oh, in the abrupt end of the long one. <laughs> wasn't what you expected and, it to be. And you also have such a thorough impression of who this person is. When how much actual page time does he have? How much in the page talking to our characters time does he have? Like none. Not even one percent. Yeah, yeah, but like yeah, twenty twenty five pages in the whole book. Like <laughs> may I would be surprised if it's even that. Uh, there, there's like one scene where Vin sees like his silhouette in the carriage. And yeah, then yeah. he's in three other scenes all right at the end. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, to me, and yet I still feel like I understand him as a villain extremely well. Yeah, because uh, you see his policy, like, just his hand manifests in every little part of this empire. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Everything Sorry. about this world <laughs> feels like... A, no, 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 no. I love that you said <laughs> that, because, like, everything feels like an extension of him. Like, even the Inquisitors somehow feel like it's a part of him in this grotesque way. Um, yeah, it's, I, well, he, yeah, if I could like Sigmund Freud sit down with any villain and be like, how did that make you feel? It would be him. <laughs> I want to be like, I want to sit down with him Therapy session and be like, be like, what does this inkblot look like to you? And is it Vin? <laughs> 
yeah. God, you know, you, you thought you thought Billy Crystal had a bad in analyze this when he had a mobster for a for a patient for a therapy. Can you imagine trying to diagnose the Lord Ruler and having to have him lay down on cross from you? Oh it would be a cross. dive into that intellect. Oh my God! It would be a cross between that and Silence of the Lambs, and it would be terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, it's just, yeah you're, like he's in the cell, just standing there in a jumpsuit, just ready to go. No. <laughs> but no, that, that's, that's a great point, though, in, in how the Lord Ruler's personality manifests in so many areas of the Final Empire. And, you know, talking about the, the Inquisitors as this unsettling extension of him, and, and how that comes full circle at the end when he's... he's furious at Marsha's betrayal. Mm-hmm. He can't even imagine that an Inquisitor would betray him. And he specifically says, like, I gave you your powers. And that's a huge hint, you, you know. Dominant. Yeah, yeah I, I think he said, I think the word he used is endowed. Uh, which also has uh, some, He asks some, Finn yeah. if she thinks he is, he is his powers are endowed fabrications. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, yeah and, and he compares it to the, to the Inquisitors. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, as the book progresses through the second act and into the third act, and the house war starts brewing, and the the crew is worried. They're like, "Well, the, the Lord Ruler's not going to let this happen." And then, and Kelsier keeps saying, "You know, I kind of think he is. I kind of think he is." And then, when it breaks out, we see, and and we get these these points of view with Carr and and Tavidian and the Lord Ruler. And and we see how little the Lord Ruler really cares. He's like, yeah, let them let them kill each other. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me. Nothing really matters to me. <laughs> he, He's so blasé about it. Yeah. yeah, and and Vin has this realization at the end. She's like, it doesn't matter if there are millions of ska in the city. He could just kill them all. It might take him a while, but he'll just kill them all. Like, yeah, it, yeah, he could kill. Literally, Trevor, doesn't matter to him. Why should he be so, afraid of a rebellion? Yeah, I found it to be such a neat twist that the Lord the, the Lord Ruler, <laughs> <laughs> the Lord Ruler turned out to be Rashik. Like I will admit, you know, I, I was a really inexperienced reader on my first read through. I don't know if that's the kind of twist that I would totally be able to call ahead of time nowadays. But then you know, it was written 15 years ago at least, so like it still stands. Going back through as many times as I have, particularly with the epigraphs, you know, it seems really really obvious in, in hindsight, but. It was such a surprising twist at the time. I don't know how I wasn't able to catch on to it, but it 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 blew me away with that revelation, and I'm still rem- I'm still left with that feeling even to this day. Right when we get that line, when Vin whispers Rashik, it's like oh, I still remember that first reading. Every time I get to that point, Vin, Vin whispers Rashik, and and the Lord Ruler paused. Yeah, <laughs> yes, him. You're him, the Pac-Man. <laughs> oh man. I, was, I, just, I just felt the need to call out the use of the word paused. Yeah. Oh, that's reason. right. That was something you had, you had mentioned last episode, wasn't it? And I said, damn it, why did you bring that up? Because I'm, I'm going to be... Oh, that's going to stick with me, too. Oh, man. Yeah. Still, yeah, yeah. I, I, I also caught another maladroit or two, but I, you know, yeah, I was they, still they not bothered more, by There were two more maladroit I'm leads. still I think, not bothered by I think it. the, totally the Inquisitor fine. landed maladroitly while fighting Kelsier, and then Vin... Got thrown maladroitly. Across yeah, I think she was like flipping room. maladroitly through the air, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, when I was reading those parts, I was sitting here like, oh wait, I don't actually know the definition of this word. So I was just like, I don't, I'm not yeah. entirely sure. A, a maladroitly. Yeah. What does it actually mean? I just assumed just it meant like ungraceful. aggressively. Ungraceful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awkward. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, Without finesse. <laughs> so, I, I was made aware of... So, I don't know if this goes into spoiler territory for the next book, so if this does... Well, bleep it just, if it does. Go ahead, okay. my man. So, there is a character, and I'm just going to say the name of a character that appears in the next book. I don't think that's a spoiler, because you don't know anything about sure. them. There's just this name exists. And that character, it's been pointed out to me, actually appears in this book. You just don't know yep. it, and that's Tins. Yep. Yep. Did you guys yes. catch I that? I caught that. Did you ca okay. I, just this time. <laughs> just this time. Even though I've read it 40, 50 times beforehand, I just caught it this time with, when Straff eventually, in that, in that uh, yeah, point of view yeah. with Ellen and Straff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, because I was like having one of those moments where it happened, and I was like, oh, "This I is it." <laughs> yeah, you and I had the same moment on this read. I feel good about yeah. that. Okay, because like I, I had heard about it, but it had never been something I like sought out. So I was just gonna try and find it this time. And when it finally did, I was like, "Okay, I'm happy now." Uh, I think it's chapter twenty-eight, is when it finally happens. It's Ooh. the last ball, isn't it? Is it the last one? It's it's like right before exactly the last ball when when we see ten scene. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's right before the last fall because it's it's when Elland is like talking with his dad, and I think also for for the uh, the eagle-eyed reader, um, there's another <laughs> character in that scene whose name oh may, yes may be familiar, and that is Felt. yes <laughs> is he yes yeah. Felt is there oh my god he's him again the, the chief <laughs> spies for House Venture mm, that's right okay cheeky so, Felt. Tensoon is my, uh, I would say, third favorite Mistborn character and, like, seventh favorite Cosmere character. I love him. Oh, um, yeah. He's yeah. solid. He's awesome. He is a fascinating character. That's why, because he's so interesting. He's, okay, I can't, I can't say what I was about to say, because yeah. that's a spoiler, <laughs> but because of things about him, he is neat. <laughs> that's all yeah. I can say. I love the way you tiptoed around that one. Very, very subtle. I like it. Like your style. Maybe, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe have to bring Daniel back on for a future episode on a, another book that deals with Ten soon. <laughs> uh, I, can, I, can I also say, I don't think this is a spoiler, and feel free to bleep this, this is too crass for your podcast. If this is too crass, I'm sorry, but it's confirmed Ten soon eats ass. We just need to get that out of there. It's unavoidable. It's, he has to. To do what he does, Ten soon. I need yes. context now. What, what are we, how, how what? Because he's a Padra. Okay. Yeah, because he consumes people. So, and so, okay, so technically people. he eats <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. All right, all right. Oh my gosh. All right, now oh that's all been bleeped. That we one was actually yeah, yeah. on the surface. So we're done with the Lord Ruler. Yeah? Yeah, I, I think I'm done with the Lord Ruler. Yeah. Daniel? Yeah? Yeah. Jump right on to Kelsier or Vin? Who are we going with next? Let's let's do Kelsier next. Okay. 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 Because, uh, go ahead. Yeah, to to me this time around, it was much more obvious that he was planning on starting a religion. Uh, I I don't know how I missed so many of the signs the first time I read this book, and you know that's that's something I've said about a lot of things in Brandon Sanderson's books. He's very very good at hiding things in plain sight, uh, but this time around, I thought. The, the religion stuff with Kelsier was so much more in plain sight. The number of times when he is thinking about this plan to sacrifice himself and start a religion and just cuts himself off or, or diverts his train of thought right before you get to the key information. But then it's always after he talks to Sezed about what makes a religion work. What, what makes people have faith? 
you know, it, it's always after one of those conversations. And mm. I don't know how I managed to, to miss putting those pieces together the, the first time through, but I did. I think that's a yeah, great observation. Cool. And I think it's why Kelsier, when he's in front of the ska, <clears throat> is presented to us in a different light as well. I mean, we hit on that earlier. Oh, Whenever yeah. it's the ska observing him, that's why it suddenly takes that different lens of it's like, oh, he's this figure. He's this, you know, presence. Uh, and on top of that, I think Brandon accomplished something very difficult here with Kelsier. It's hard to introduce a character who's like a mystic badass. You get to know them, and then you make them feel like a mystic badass. <laughs> yeah. And Brandon yeah. successfully pulls off that wave here. And it's really impressive to see him go, oh, oh okay, it's Kelsier. How's it going, bro? Oh, it's Kelsier. Holy <laughs> like, he kind of does that. Yeah, like, there's, there are always going to be comparisons made in, in these kind of mentor figures. The big ones, you know, Brandon Sanderson, of course people are going to compare Kelsier to Moiraine in The Wheel of Time. And how she starts off as this mystic badass. And then you get to know her. And she never really becomes that mystic badass again. The, it, it, it is a, a, a really impressive thing. That if you're insinuating Moraine is not badass, I'm going to find a way no, to come no. through this camera she, and fight she you. She is, <laughs> but she doesn't have the, the mystic <laughs> element. She, she loses get, the mystique. You know, and, and this is one of the reasons why, for anybody who's listening to this who maybe hasn't read The Wheel of Time, do not start with New Spring. Yeah. Start oh, with Eye of the oh, World. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, yeah, don't be, do that. Because, because New Spring is a you know, Moiraine book. It, it completely robs the mystique from her character. And mm -hmm. that mystique is so much a part of what makes her great at the yeah. beginning of that series. So, But, but that's, it, that's a really good point, Daniel, that Brandon managed to, in one book... I mean, talk about a, a limited frame here. One book, take a character with this mystique, rob him of that mystique, and then give it back. <laughs> mm -hmm. And to the point where it's believable a religion is formed around him. It's believable that it's uh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I get it. I would pray to him, too. Like, you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> He's the Lord of the Mists, isn't he? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I actually would draw more comparisons to Obi-Wan. Like, not personality-wise at all. But to me, Kelsier has the, he's a, you know that's a very solid trope it's the wise wizard but to me in terms of how obi-wan is introduced and like he's you don't know who he is and then he becomes oh okay he's sitting on the ship with the guys and then there's something about the end of star wars and of course that voice luke run mm -hmm. that just brings him back up brandon ha got to do that but he brought him up before he killed him which i hadn't seen yeah. done before you can kill someone and then do things to make them mystic again but he, Kelsier reaches that before he dies. Then he dies. But I just think it's interesting that it happened a beat before in the storyline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can't really, speak really on cool that writing. Yeah. Really cool writing. Really cool writing. And it's oh a my great. Gosh, Rob. It, it's a great demonstration <laughs> on how uh, how you write. Your technical writing can cause that impact because it's a change mm -hmm. in technical writing as well that causes that too how your physic how, how you choose to convey words to people is important for any aspiring authors listening it's very 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 important <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yes yes so yeah, do we have any been, more about kelsey I, I got a little bit on kelsey here like i just want to okay. say it's been long enough since my first readings that i'm forming an entirely different opinion on kelsey now like something that disturbed me significantly more on this read than i remember it ever doing previously was kelsey's flipping attitude about his manipulation of the minds of the ska particularly his scenes in the caverns when he's you know lording over the army and it, where, where he for all intents and purposes murders the man bilg you know as well yep. as propping up 
Demu and giving his army, his army, him, not your army, his army, you know, false hope in the supernatural. Like, I, you can argue all you want about Kalsir's proportional blame here, as well as like, for the, the disaster with the army and his fatalistic mm -hmm. outlook and the ends justifying the means philosophy. But for me, it's his, this, this flippant attitude he has about it more than anything else that unsettles me. Uh, like I, I used to be such a fan of his that I would just get irritated at others in the crew, particularly Vin, because we're in her head all the time when they would doubt him. But I, I, I can see it now. You know, I can, I can see it now a lot more than I ever used to. Um, but my, see, my, my, I, my last... Sorry, go ahead. I'll give no, you I was going to say, I was going to just reaffirm that I've always kind of had more on Vin's side of that thing because I, to me it always came across as yep. Kelsier has a huge ego and he needs to be put in check occasionally. Yeah. And that was why I was always okay with people questioning him. And upon this reread, I actually found myself more in the frustrated side of things because I know the outcome and I know what he's planning. So when people are <laughs> doubting him, I'm like, shut up and let him do his thing. Like, shut up, yeah, shut yeah. up. Yeah, that's how go. I was. That's how I was for many years. And it's just yeah. now I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I'm, eh, I'm a little older now. And I can kind of put myself in the shoes of others in the crew, I think, a little more. And it's like, I would be concerned. I'd be like, come on, man. But anyway, my, my last thing about Kelsey here is I just have one simple question. Did we expect Kelsier to fight the Lord Ruler on our first read? Yes. Like, did you or did you even expect him to at least fight back? Yes. Um, yes, a solid yes from Drew. I think I'm, I'm trying to think back all the way to my original read through, uh, which is hard to do. I think my running theory, and this is a maybe, was that uh, Kelsier and Vin would fight him together, and Kelsier would die in like a team yeah. thing. Uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, so no. instead, you get, yeah, cool. instead, instead you get Kelsier trying to solo it, uh, and you know that that goes how it goes. Kelsier tries to hog all the XP for himself, eh? Yeah, <laughs> he should have just shouted Leroy Jenkins. Let's be frank. He, he wanted uh, that epic loot. I almost fucking spit take on that one. Holy <laughs> shit! Oh man. Uh, yeah, he he needed that uh, that those tier five uh, adium bracers all to himself. He didn't want to split them. <laughs> He's got his crit equipped there. This is, yeah. Oh, man, I was like, I didn't, yeah, here's the thing, I, I can't honestly say, looking back, I was expecting him, I can't honestly say I was expecting him to fight the Lord Ruler, it seems like it would make sense, and that would be exactly what you're hoping for, especially because he has this kind of, again, this mystique, and he has the 11th medal, I mean, Vin reminds us, I believe, right before he starts his fight with the Lord Ruler, that he still has the 11th medal, but, uh, it just, I don't know, I, I, when I was getting there, I, I still thought, well, he's boned. I was so still mystified by the Lord Ruler that I, even though I was expecting Kelsier to fight him, I had no idea how he was going to even begin to approach it. So I still wasn't terribly surprised by the, you know, the bitch slap of the ages that, that <laughs> Kelsier received. You know, like it, it bummed me out. I was, I was can't say I was surprised by it. I wanted him to fight, but I didn't, I didn't see any way for him to. I'm so sorry for whoever's editing the audio. I have the hiccups right now, and I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Because I've been talking for a minute and a half there, so I could just we could just block out like a whole solid minute yeah. of me talking, or of your audio there. Well, so as far as Kelsey and the Lord Ruler goes, and maybe this is a style thing as well, or, or at least a writing choice, plotting choice on Brandon's part, it, it did crush me because of when it happened, where it was immediately following the most glorious fight scene I think I had ever read up to that point in my in my life. You know, when 17-year-old Drew was reading this book, reading Kelsier in the midst of a whirlwind of, of, 
you know, swords and steel bars and cool. caps so and, cool. and just absolutely wrecks this Inquisitor. And I'm like, holy crap, that was incredible. And then the Lord Ruler comes rolling down and I was like, oh, and it's just going to get even better. And then, <laughs> bam, you know. Brandon squashes it again ruthlessly. Yeah. <laughs> I expected a more drawn-out fight. That's actually something that really yeah. did charm me as well. I expected this to be an epic showdown. I, I actually, I, I do remember when I first hit the scene, I went, I don't know who's going to win, but it's going to be a few pages. I expected, you know, a chapter of fighting or so, but it's pretty much like, da-da-da, uh, done. <laughs> that's yeah. that's yeah. all. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, really. It's, it's, it's Brick holding the hand grenade hand. and Anchorman just sitting there like... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, oh, I, I love that. Uh, that scene's so well handled. It feels like the mm -hmm. perfect crescendo to everything that built to that moment. It's this... Ah! Um, yeah, it really works. Yeah, yeah it was, it was strategic writing on Brandon's part and executed very, very well. Yep, yep, so, yep, uh, yep. Shall we go to Vin? Sure, yeah, I forgot we had Vin already. Oh my, or had Vin left. Jeez, I didn't have so, much about Vin this time. My, my notes on Vin are actually pretty much just to ask you a question. And that is okay. now that you're in the end of the first book, you've just reread it, it's fresh in your head. How do you feel about her power scaling? Because this is one of the fastest increases of power scaling, like, in fantasy. This is, that doesn't piss people off. I very rarely hear people complain about Vin's escalation of power, but boy, is it a lot. She goes from street yeah. urchin to one of the strongest people walking the planet. It doesn't bother me because it's explained so well. Okay. Every step of the journey is visible, I think. Well, I mean, there's that montage at the beginning that we could have if this was like a show or something, but... It's a montage. Oh. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. one particular moment, but that's in the first half, not in this half. I, I think I agree with Rob on this. Uh, it's never bothered me. I don't know if it didn't bother me because of quite the same reasons Rob brought up, or if it's just uh, what I expected to happen. Mm -hmm. But either way you cut it, I don't have a problem with it. Because even though she has this power, she still has issues as a character. Mm -hmm. and, and that meant more to me. That at the end of this book, in the final scene, she, she makes that choice instead of, you know, going back into the mists, she's going to go, you know, hang out with Ellen. And that shows the growth in her character, but the fact that she was still even considering, you know, being by herself at the end shows that there's still room for her. There's still things she needs to address within herself, and that meant more to me than, oh, what a badass Mistborn she is. I can, yeah. I can see the legitimate, the, the, I can't speak the legitimacy of a of a small criticism like that, for a particular part in the uh, point in the first half of the book where of course, Vin is taught everything. We get this huge info dump from Kelsier, and then suddenly she's fighting him. She's sparring with him months later, and then there is that really really rapid jump in in the, her escalation of power. But in the entire second half of this book, it feels organic. It feels natural. Uh, I, I didn't. I was not bothered by it at all. So okay. I don't know. It, I think what landed for me is one: how hard the magic system is. Harder magic systems lend themselves to being more acceptable for power jumps because the reader, I think, it's like a trick somehow. The reader just is more okay with it by default. There's also, I find to be, 
uh, the because Vince, uh, Drew, you said it beautifully, because Vince seems so flawed still as a character, she has a lot of clear uh, ghosts of her past, it's almost like you can accept, oh, okay, she's this badass fighter, but she can't handle her own anxiety, so I can, I can more forgiving of a power escalation because it's been made so clear that she's not this flawless person. Um, you know, she's not some just, everything she's going to do ever is going to be handled well. Instead, she feels like a cannon that somehow still has social anxiety. Hmm. Yeah. yeah I don't, she, she also bummed me out really hard at one particular line that she has. And I always forget about this line until I get back to it. When she, I mean, she's talking to Kelsier, and she goes, well, that's what trust is, isn't it? A willful self-delusion? You have to shout out that voice that whispers about betrayal and just hope your friends aren't going to hurt you. It's like, damn, Vin, you really know how to kill a mood, don't you? You're wow. right, but shut up. <laughs> wow, that's dark. But other than that, I don't really have a whole lot more to say on Vin just yet. Like, she doesn't strike me as a particularly interesting, or, or I should say, even just a sympathetic character myself. But I'm not bothered by it, because I love what's going on around her. And I love knowing where she's going in the future, and how much more I'm going to have to say about her at that point. For now, she is just, a, not just, but she is a fantastic little badass. And that's okay. Sorry, I got distracted uh, because Drew sent something. (laughs) Yes, I did. What did did you say? Uh, We just got a release date for the original, the audiobook that uh, Brandon did with Mary Robinette, as well as a release date for a new Stephen Leeds book and an announcement for two Dark One audiobooks. (laughs) Oh, oh, man, you you had me at Stephen Leeds. (laughs) Yeah, Stephen Leeds' Death and Faxes. Okay. Well, that's making <laughs> fantasy news. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, nice. But yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as um, as far as Vin goes, I do want to say that I liked the way her character developed in the second half of this book even more than I liked the first half. Uh, the first half felt pretty by the numbers. Uh, it, it was what I expected her character to do. Where the second half, it, it didn't quite follow the same formula as, as uh, you know, is the standard, so to speak. I liked how she had to have this um, struggle between the, the Vin and Valette sides of things. And ultimately, let's be honest, she comes down closer to the Valette side. And... For most stories like this, you know, rags to riches, the moral of it is like, oh, well, you can't forget your roots and and your roots are the real you and that kind of a thing. But we see Vin at the end of this embracing much more the Valette side, the trusting side, the one who can make friends, the one who can enter in relationships. Like, I appreciated that we got a little bit of a different twist to that kind of story. Well said. I didn't consider that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also find it notable that neither one of us has considered saying anything new about Elland because he's still Flower. <laughs> well, I was, that was where I was going next. I was going to say I have one point each about Elland and Sazed. That's really all I have left for my character discussions. Since the E-word has been brought up, should I just jump into Elland? Sure. sure. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut right, you off, yeah. Drew. I thought it was good comedic timing. I apologize. No, it no, was. No, I was done, so that was It was a clever little... I loved it, <laughs> yeah. But I wasn't too impressed by Ellen in the latter part of this book, but, you know, no surprise there. I, I wouldn't say that I particularly needed to be. Like, there was plenty enough going on that I think keeping his involvement with the Climax tertiary was the right choice. So we're going to get enough of him in the next book. Yeah. 
so I only really had one point about Ellen, and that was that I was impressed by his ability to make the decision to uh, send spies after Ben. Uh, I think for a character that he was set up to be, it would be very easy just to have him buckle under and either refuse to accept any new information about Ben and say, no, yeah, I love her, blah, 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 blah. Or else just automatically believe, um, oh, dang it, uh, what was the guy's name? Justice. Oh, uh, yeah, Justice Lico, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, to just believe what he said and and say, like, yes, she's another spy for another noble house. But the fact that Ellen took a little agency into his own hands and made some of his own decisions, I appreciate it. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So what do you got on Seizid? Seizid? All right. <laughs> I, I just, I, I keep forgetting what a minor role Seizid really has in the ending of this one. For some reason in my headcanon, he's with her all the way from the cell to the Lord Ruler's death. I don't, I don't, I keep forgetting that he actually, for whatever reason, it kind of made me laugh this time. He, as soon as Vin gets her her loot back, right, and she finds the chest and she has all of her items re-equipped, she has her powers again, uh, it's just, okay, we, we saved Vin now, and then, you know, Ellen is being led to safety by Seizid, and then he's just gone for most of it. Like, you know, I keep forgetting that he just randomly shows up after the Lord Ruler has been defeated, and he's got, he showed up with a spear? <laughs> like, just, I wrote down, bless him. He was He was still going to try. I love it. I love Sazed, so he's... I think Sazed is my favorite character in all of these books. In the Mistborn trilogy, wow. I think Sazed is my number one. Okay. Yeah. He's below 10 soon for me, even, but I get it. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. I know, I know. I'm a little I still love him. With him I still three, love but... him. Don't hate me, all right? I still love him, but... <laughs> 10 soon. He's the best in no, the I'm sorry. Mistborn, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's it. That's everything from my character discussions. Okay. You can edit out. Please edit out that last comment I just made. <laughs> I, <laughs> I talked over it, so I'm, I don't know. I didn't hear it. I might decide to keep it if it was good enough. No, if you wanted to edit it, I will do it. Obviously, You're good. You're obviously good. man. So, oh. we have miscellaneous and Cosmere connections to discuss, unless you guys have anything else about characters. And three favorite scenes. Oh, yeah. I, I say that for, like, the very end. Do you okay. better, which one do you want to do first? Should we, should we call off the spoiler gloves at this point? Yeah, I think we should we should take off the spoiler gloves. Um, yeah. So yeah, if take, you yeah, haven't read, yeah. um, basically the rest of the Cosmere is going to be uh, spoiler uh, spoiler season right now. So if you haven't yeah. read the as rest, well as of the rest of the Cosmere, of the uh, correction: uh, the rest of the Cosmere point. as of uh, June 2020, because you know people could be listening to this in 2030. You don't want them uh, being like you know. Are they? Are they though? They're gonna go back and listen <laughs> to a ten-year-old podcast. What do these guys have to say? Yeah, I watch ten-year-old <laughs> YouTube videos every day, man. So I'm not yeah, yeah, judge yeah. I still listen to, to Rooster Teeth podcasts from like ten, to eleven years ago. That's a good point. That's a very good point. All right, spoiler gloves are off. Let's let's get get to punching right now. Uh, our first scene this week. Our first scene this week. Kelsier meets none other than Hoyd. Yep. The, the dramatic irony is hilarious here for anybody who has the context necessary. Kelsier assumes that he's playing Hoyd, but in turn he's being played like a fiddle i love it it's just chef's kiss i thought it was interesting that in this particular scene hoyt is described as bald why because he's almost always either uh with white hair or black hair 
I just wanted to point out that, like, you sounded a little defensive, Rob, and the fact you're bald made it be like, why is that a problem? Why, why you gotta be, why you pointing that out? I haven't been bald long enough to, to immediately put that together. Rob's, Rob's like, I just shaved my head. Are you getting on my case, bro? Yeah, yeah, what's going on here? We're projecting a little bit. Those who are follicularly challenged. Let's go, man. Oh, no, I'm not follicularly challenged. I'm just shaving because of quarantine. No, it looks good. Yeah. I wish I could pull oh, off thanks, man. I can't. I can't. When I, when I shave my oh, head, uh, people are like, are you sick? <laughs> like, let's see. Right. Oh, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, no, like, when, when we see Hoyt, uh, the reason I was so, like, defensive there, I was like, well, Hoyt is always in some sort of disguise at all times. I mean, mm -hmm. it does make sense that he would vary. He can't always have stark white hair and angular features, right? Oh, but when he doesn't, generally he has black hair. So, I, I'm actually curious, I'm going to have to, as we keep reading through the Cosmere for the podcast here, I'm going to keep an eye out, because this might be the only time Hoyd shows up wait, wait, bald. Wait, wait, what about the uh, appearance in Warbreaker when he's telling the story? Not to spoil it, but he's also an older man, a very old man. I, I don't I think he's bald, I believe he has white hair. I believe yeah, he has white hair. hair. I know he's got a white beard, a big bushy white beard. I don't know if he's described as having hair. I'll have to, we'll have to check that out when we, when yeah. we get there. When we get there, we've already been through Warbreaker, what am I saying? <laughs> I was about to say, didn't you guys specifically say last episode, yeah. like, we're continuing <laughs> off from Warbreaker? Yeah. Oh my god. It's been a long time. It's been like a year and a half, I think, since Warbreaker. Yeah, it was like December 2018 when we covered that. It was like episode 7 and 8, I think it was. Yeah, but uh, going forward, anything else you guys want to bring up? Miscellaneous, Cosmere, yes. Connections. Uh, so, uh, my big thing for Cosmere Connections here, uh, I... So, okay, can we talk... We can't talk secret histories, can we? Yes. Yeah, yeah, dude, we we're talking everything. everything. Okay. Everything Every else single thing. If you have the inside scoop on Dragonsteel or Rhythm of War, I'm just saying, no, don't do that. No, Actually, don't I, do that. No, we're, we're not talking Rhythm of War. <laughs> um, so... I just realized how close that was. That was actually, yeah. Go ahead. I, I just like, like trying to subtly get me to spill. <laughs> I no, never. I would not. I know, like, secret history is, like, the last thing a lot of people get to. So I just didn't want to, like, make people, mm -hmm. like, oh, no. But for me... <laughs> the thing that I, I take away here is with secret histories and look at you that's the first time we get to meet with Kelsier again right that's like okay we're sitting mm -hmm. down with Kelsier and getting his yep. and the fact that he's refused to actually die Kelsier is such a stubborn POS <laughs> that he's yeah. literally refusing to move on uh, he's sitting in this uh, what's the word we should use should we just use um, purgatory Trouble. is that fair yeah. oh you mean Cog in the, the cognitive I mean, realm yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. And his reintroduction <laughs> with Vin after everything she's been through, it, I, I, I'm a man, but I cried. I'm going <laughs> to say it. And how that was the first, that Secret Histories for me reframed all of the Cosmere. Because suddenly you're sitting in these larger elements and it, it showed me Brandon isn't just doing the Stephen King thing where he's throwing in left and right little hints. There are literal forces at play and it changed me from thinking this is just going to be a okay we're constantly going to get little droplets to no one day one book brandon is going to tell the story of the cosmere i don't know how he's going to do it. it but that is going to happen and that the I roots of that it. are all the way actually back in this book um you know there are elements of the grander cosmere forces at play as like you know with hoyd showing up all these things and that that seeing that seed blossom into this oak tree that showed me one day Brandon's gonna rock my world like Mike Tyson in the ring. <laughs> uh, I, I was like, I get him. Like, I don't know if you swear at this podcast, so I changed what I was about to say there like three times. Oh, no. <laughs> we, we, we swear and then we just bleep it. That's all we okay. do. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is why um, we pay Pat. 
Gotcha. <laughs> yep. Uh, it, it's just extraordinary. Th- this book has the seeds of the eventual growth. And if anyone out there hasn't read Secret History, I'm going to scream at you to do it. I know some people don't like it. I think those people are wrong. I think Secret History is a... I, I think Secret History, like, okay, the, the third Mistborn book gives us, like, a complete little box. The bow on the box is Secret History to me. That's the... 100%. Book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's... Any, any lingering questions you have from the first trilogy from Era 1 are answered in Secret History. And so many more things on top of that. Things you never even knew you wanted to know. Like, mm. yeah. And, but, but I want to talk about Kelsier in Secret History and, and contextualize it with that conversation we were having earlier about his ego. And, yeah. and this uneasiness that so many characters have with him. And reading through it this time, I was really cognizant of that. And I was thinking about, even in Secret History, Kelsier does some really sketchy things. And he does oh, a lot yeah. of really sketchy things in this. And it, it is... It's so easy to just naturally root for him because he's the point of view character. He's the main character. And on top of that, he's fighting to literally save the world. You know, he's in this book, he's trying to take down the evil Lord Ruler... In secret history, he's fighting against Ruin, you know. And he punches God in the face. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, multiple, multiple gods. Even even when Brandon chooses to use the word decked, he specifically says Kelsey yeah, yeah. decked him. Like, yes, he does. Like, and but at the same time, you know, this is that point of view trap. You know, we talked a lot about with Eggween in the Wheel of Time, and we talked about Matt in the Wheel of Time. Where when we have this third-person close perspective, it's easy to just go with the flow and say, yes, I'm with this character. Because you're in their head, and they are con- contextualizing and rationalizing all of their decisions. So you're like, oh, of course, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's good. Yeah, great. And then you pull back out, and you see it from other people's point of view, and you're like, wait a second. This, this isn't totally above board. you know." And that that really makes me worry more for what Kelsier might end up being in the Cosmere. Because mm-hmm. now that we're, you know, now that Ruin's gone and the Lord Ruler's overthrown obviously, Kelsier isn't actively working against the obvious evil. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be a lot harder, depending on what he makes his next set of goals, to be, like, fully behind Kelsier. Like I, 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 I think he's a really, really fascinating character with the implications of where he can go as the Cosmere grows. Because it's very clear after Secret History and Bands of Morning, he's got a role to play in the Cosmere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I also like found... How, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was no, going to say, ahead, I also man. found it really powerful seeing that temptation. Like, he is tempted to move on. He has shown, like, if you move on, you'll be reunited. And he still says no. He still is just... Kelsier is a raw entity of pure, stubborn jackass. Like, that is... And he's yeah, not going to, to stop it. until reality and the world and the... It feels like the entire Cosmere has to bend around him for him to finally rest. And that's why it's like, okay, that was the thing where it's like, we're going to see Kelsier again, and it's going to be in the context of the Cosmere. That's where he's going to make a reappearance. That's my prediction. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I totally agree with that prediction. prediction. That's, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, that's definitely the sense that I'm getting. And riffing really quickly on your points about secret history there, I just wanted to say that secret history, I think, for me, word for word, is my favorite Cosmere release just because of how much information you get and how many more questions you have to ask afterward packed into a volume so short, as well as how much context it gives you for everything happening for the original Mistborn trilogy. It, it was It's so inspiring to me as a hopeful writer someday to still see that there are things authors can do with their own works to completely give you a different view of an entire different side of them. And I just, I love the thought of being able to, to learn from little little tricks like this. All these little hints that we had seated, these tiny little unanswered questions or moments that we had from, particularly from Hero of Ages, for me it was. Uh, it just, it's, it's really, it, it's breathtaking to see an author be able to pull that off with the efficiency of Brandon Sanderson. It's yeah. cool. It's very cool. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I, people are going to hate what I'm about to say. People are going to be uh -oh. mad. But because anytime yes. you compare something to this, people get furious. But it feels to me, it feels like Brandon's building an MCU. But he's instead of having like Iron Man, then a couple movies, then the Avengers, we're gonna get 40 books, and then down the road we're gonna get the Avengers, where he takes uh, Kelsier from Mistborn, he takes someone from Stormlight, he takes someone from Warbreaker, and they through cosmic Cosmere events end up in a situation where they are actually at the. Avengers level quote unquote story. I assume that'll be the, the well, final Mistborn trilogy, eh? Uh, no, if, that, that, if I don't people think so. are, if people are upset about the possibility of that, I may be able to mollify them. Brandon has talked about that. He's been asked about it, and he said his goal is much less Avengers, where you have like Kaladin and Kelsier and Vivenna okay. and and Rayoden. It's more like uh, he envisions it as like Star Trek, maybe where like there's just it's about societies interacting more than individual characters becoming a super team okay uh, but and, and that's what premise. that yeah, yeah. It, and that's where that Mistborn era 4 is gonna go where we're gonna have the full-on crossovers where there's like i mean it's space age i think we can be uh, pretty assured of faster than light travel between like Scadriel and Roshar and Nalthus and Taldane and, and wherever. Obviously, First of the Sun, since we have uh, space travel already going on there. And yeah, published book. and the ones but, above. But yeah, so so I think I, even though the Avengers-style thing may not happen, I still would in no way be surprised if Kelsier's there at the end in Mistborn Era 4. Yeah. In no way and, would yeah. I be surprised. And authors Whether he's lie. got a shard by that point or not. Can I just put that, that out there, too? Yeah. <laughs> What's that? And authors lie. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> authors go, they Also, oh. they can misdirect. They yeah. actually make a craft out of misdirecting, that's particularly what I, Brandon Sanderson. Okay, I'll use the PC term. They misdirect. That's lying. But I'll say... You know, well, no, you know, they do both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Patrick Rothfuss always says he's still working on book three. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's a lie. He's not working on it. I, I refuse to believe that he's that he has done one single word in, in five years' time now. I'm sorry. I just pissed off a lot of people with that one. I'll make them more mad and say, well, good. I want to see how it ends, yeah. so I, it was a, it was a yeah, joke. Yeah. I'm going to get 15 emails, but still... Uh, it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we're just gonna deflect we'll it all have your this way. discussion in much more depth in in eight years when book three is finally announced and we finally cover Name of the Wind yeah. and King Killer on the on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, correct me if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is an old impression that I had from years ago. I haven't I haven't read any words of Brandon since about this thing. But I was under the impression that the entire Cosmere sequence 
as a whole is going to end with Mistborn Era Four. Yes. Was it? That's that's common knowledge, or is that like that? That's confirmed because I remember reading that years ago, but I don't know if he's changed what he said he's, since then. I'm going with the latter. I'm going with this is I'm I I think Brandon has the Cosmere planned out, but there's no way you're gonna do all this, all of this, and not at some point go, oh, but well, uh, okay, let's go this. Like you're gonna have your mind change. So so from what I know, he. In, in the current outline of the Cosmere, Mistborn Era 4 is the last thing. Uh, last chronologically and last thing he will write for us. Except he wants to write a Hoyd sequel story, as I understand it. A Hoyd sequel like, story? Not I don't prequel, know if it's going to work. No, I mean, he's always planned on Dragonsteel. Uh, that okay. will be the series That's before Mistborn Era 4. Awesome. But he wants to write a first-person Hoyd novel. That would come after Mistborn Era 4. Whether that comes after in the chronology of the Cosmere, I don't know. But he he's always wanted to be able to write like a first person Hoyd book. Okay. Dude, and, that would be uh, you know, <laughs> And oh, obviously that that would be that would be bonkers, you know. Whether I, this is some like He'd have to le- read a lot of Terry yeah. Pratchett to pull it off. I could only see a Terry Pratchett style <laughs> approach working out there. That's I the get only the way that he go. has read a lot of Terry Pratchett. Well, good. Yeah, he should have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we'll see. We'll see. But uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, as far More as cosmic. cosmic things, I I just have the one last point to bring up once again about Felt and uh, oh yeah. And I I, I want to know how the heck he got from being a spy for House Adventure. To a, a colon yeah. house guard and scout. Yeah, like he's in part of Dalinar's <laughs> retinue, and he's taking Dalinar to see the Night Watcher. Like what? Yeah. How and, does he and, get from A to B? And I want to know: Is he originally like from Scadriel? Like, did he start off as a house venture servant, or like is he from Scadriel and world hopped and then came back and worked for the ventures? Like, what is this dude's deal? Like, or is he Frost? <laughs> I'm yeah. just I'm just throwing random words out there at this point. I, I have a, uh, my my comedic take on it is there's a, a just a glitch happening in the universe and occasionally people are dropped in different worlds and they're like, well now I gotta get a job. <laughs> <laughs> just having to Cosmere is an Ubisoft server. Yeah. Well, like, oh, I, I, it, it would be funny if you know if there was some you know some situation where like he world hopped from somewhere else to Scadriel and then uh, after that happened. Kelsier snapped at the pits of Hassan and killed everybody there and and felt was like, oh well I can't go back there through the perpendicularity. I guess I gotta find some gainful employment here. Like <laughs> mm. Yeah, his, his ride back was destroyed. Oh, well, well, it wasn't destroyed the yet. Pool for that, and that would be uh It wasn't destroyed yet, but it was destroyed at the end of this book, that's for sure. It was. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh about the Cosmere. Uh, one thing I want to talk about really quickly, something I hadn't considered about until this particular read. Marsh reveals the existence of the Lord Ruler's soothing stations. Yeah? But yes. what I hadn't considered before, and I don't know why, but this would lead to a sizable population of brass savants. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Because essentially well, yeah. they're just sitting there burning uh, uh, brass all day, for flexing all day I with think, their brass. I think they, they kind of imply that, where Marsh says, like, as good as Breeze is, and Breeze is the best, all of these guys are better. I think Does that he actually tells that? you. Yeah, he says they're better than Breeze. Okay. Because that's all they do. Oh, I didn't know that. I just, must have missed that. 
just to play devil's advocate, just because you're sitting there doing one thing with your ability all day doesn't necessarily mean you're the best at it. Like, you can sit there well, and do change free throws all day, and then you're not going to be the best basketball player. Like, and we see that, yes, while a lot of the medals are straightforward, the people who think outside the box with them typically are the best. And these people, yeah. they have like the, they're, they're like the hackers who work for the government. They do one thing, and they do that well. Um, well, yeah. the, what they're burning is pretty straightforward. I refuse to believe that Brandon doesn't have interesting other ways this could be used and there's no way those guys oh, sure, would discover sure. it sure sure yeah but the point i'm making is just that it would after burning it for i guess hours and hours and hours on end as strong as they could for years and years on end i mean who knows who knows how long yeah, they yeah, actually yeah. apply themselves to this it's going to change their spirit web we see it happen with spook we see it happen oh, yeah, with black yeah, yeah. sorry there, there's, I missed, there's gonna I be some sort of yeah it's gonna be yeah it's okay it's all right there's gonna be some sort of manifestation in in, in how they are just prolonging themselves to the, the exposure of burning bronze and it's going to change them somehow i wonder how like what if anything he's actually considered that would do to the human body burning bronze you know i refuse or brass to i'm gonna say bronze no yes, brass it, yeah it's brass but i i refuse to believe that this would not result in some form of severe metal poisoning at a certain point there has to be an upper extreme these people hit yeah 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 that's a good point because like, I mean, we know you can't burn all this stuff infinitely without side effects, and these people doing that yeah. so long all the time has to have, I don't know if it's going to be cancer-like, but some kind of, there, there needs to be an drawback. upper extreme, right? Otherwise, mm -hmm. people would just do it all the time and spend infinite money to do it nonstop. Since we're still on, on Cosmere-wide connections, look at the uh, the Soulcasters on Roshar. I mean, it's changing their bodies. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's I even considered that. Yeah, okay. I almost, I almost just said Lightbringer, and I was like, look what happens if you overdraft. But nope, that's not <laughs> nope different. <laughs> this is what happens when you read fantasy Bring books for Weeks a living all day, every day. There's just constant magic systems flying through your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah uh, okay. And my one last query, one last point of, of discussion here. I just want to know about Mare. We'll get your guys' take on Mare and how she, how and where she would have heard of these legends of a yellow sun and a blue sky and, and flowers especially like it seems that even says it who is, is mystified by this you know like where would she have heard this uh yeah that's i, the, I think that's a read and find out still we got nothing right there. like it's we, one I of the just, cosmic just, seeds that hasn't bloomed i don't know i just want I, I want to say that i think there's more to this i think there is another secret or two about the mayor oh, yeah. get in the future no yeah. no I'm, I'm not arguing there at all i'm just saying this is a seed that hasn't we need to we need to Sweet. water it we need to get some <laughs> something <laughs> yeah. going on uh but it's it, it'll it's and that's a read and find out i think still sweet sweet i, I think if you I have asked like... brandon he'd just hand you that card that says read and find out oh dan oh I, yeah no part of me believes otherwise yeah. oh he definitely would <laughs> um, that's it. I'm ready to go into favorite scenes. That's the end of my Cosmerwad connections for Mistborn the Final Empire. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm ready too. Okay. Right. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good sure. to go. I got my three. Okay, so I'll, I'll go first. Uh, uh, number three? Yeah. So, yeah, do you, you want to go like Rob, me, Daniel, and then, uh, you yeah. know, for number three, then number two, and then number one? Sounds good to me, man. And no matter, you can't pick someone else's pick. We need to be distinct Ooh. individuals. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm going first on each in each regard. Then, okay. Oh boy, this this will get interesting then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, oh, we're so, doing whole book, right? Not just the last half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whole book. Okay, okay. whole book. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. For me, number three, third favorite scene: the scene where the Lord Ruler transfers power from the Canton of Orthodoxy to the Canton of Inquisition. The power of the Lord Ruler in this scene. I have the quote written down here: despair twisted inside of her. Grief, pain, a desire to die. The Lord Ruler held her face close to his own, looking into her eyes. 
In that moment, she knew the truth. She could see a piece of him. She could sense his power, his godlike power. He wasn't worried about the Skull Rebellion. Why would he have to worry? If he wished, he could slaughter every person in the city by himself. Finn knew it to be the truth. It might take him time, but he could kill forever, tirelessly. He need fear no rebellion. He'd never needed to. Calcier had made a terrible, terrible mistake. Your father, child, the Lord Ruler prompted, his demand like a physical weight upon her soul. And then we get that one final detail as Vin answers that man over there, Tavidian, and the Lord Ruler walks away. She realizes she's been crying and she can't remember why. That detail right there, in the context of seeing this power, this this face inside the Lord Ruler, for Min, uh, Min, for Vin not to realize why she's crying as he walks away. Like that is just the amount of power in the Lord Ruler there. That's why he is one of my favorite fantasy villains of all time. In a hundred percent agreement with what you said, Daniel, earlier. Like one of the best first novel, like or standalone villains. Yeah, I think you said like top ten, eh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Lord Ruler is, like, maybe my top three. He is just such a badass. He's got so much swag. I love it. Uh, he's, he's got, he's got a, a signature presence, to be sure. Mm. All right. Yeah. That's my third, Drew. So my third is Vin killing Lady Shaw Nalario. Oh, it's, it's interesting. A, it's a great action scene. It's the first time we really get to see Mistborn versus Mistborn combat. And I, I, I loved the inventiveness. You know, this is going back to what Daniel was saying on the point about, like, just because you use a power all the time doesn't mean you're the best at it because you have to be able to think outside the box. And what Vin does turning off her adium and turning it back on and grabbing the arrow and, you know, and using her environment in addition to her powers, I thought that was both clever on Vin's part and very clever writing on Brandon's part. So I really like that scene. Sweet. I'm, nice. I'm trying to think if I want to put this scene higher or not, MI2 or 1, but pressure's on, so I'm just going to say, yeah, I'll just put it at 3. Uh, Kelsier's introduction in the prologue, the opening. I found it to Ooh. be pretty much the perfect introduction possibly for this story. Um, it establishes so many themes that are prevalent from beginning to end. The, the impression Kelsier makes is unlike any other, and it also very much so lets the reader know, your good guys are going to kill. Uh, there's, you know, is it lesser of two evils? No, it's pretty much good and bad. But there are some dark sides to the good here, and it it, it does so much foundational world building so quickly that is really impressive. And yeah, I'm just gonna say the opening there, inter sitting with the scoffs, getting with the bottom of the bottom to open the book was a great choice, and it it, it catapults this story higher than I think it would have been, uh, higher than I think it, it, it's higher because, wow, words, English is hard. This, <laughs> this book is better and propelled it's higher infectious. because we start where we start. Hmm. Okay. All That's right. a solid right. choice. I do like it. I did, I, the, the, the prologue, why didn't I even consider the prologue? Damn. Yeah, especially after you gushed about the prologue. I know, I was sitting here like waiting for you to pick about it. it. so much, yeah. <laughs> Nice. Okay, so my second favorite scene is, is of course, the scene, like, this imagery we get of the Lord Ruler as he's been defeated, crawling to the broken window. 
and staring out over the square and and says its badass dig listen he who would have been our god and with the cheers of the ska vin's final message i have a message for you from a friend he is hope and then she just stabs him with the, the with the sun rising right there i just thought it's so epic it's just <laughs> i want to see that scene on the big screen i want to see it framed against a purple sky like a, a rising dawn and i want to hear the cheers I, I just it's so cinematic i love it very nice yeah well i'm gonna steal a scene i'm pretty sure would have been on one or both of your lists my second favorite is Kelsier versus the Inquisitor, but but <laughs> yep. specifically though, it is, uh -oh, is it, it is the Vin point of view in the middle of it, where she's okay. watching Kelsier manipulate so many pieces of metal, and she's thinking about how she felt cheated during her training, where she was like, you know, I got to learn from the best, you know, the best soother, the best pewter arm, the best tin eye, all this stuff, but. Kelsier personally taught me steel and iron. And he did that because he is the best. She's looking at him doing all of this stuff, and there's this impression of awe that overtakes oh, yeah. you. In the she middle says of he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. In the middle of what is already one of the coolest fight scenes out there. The choice to pull it out of Kelsier's point of view and into a spectator's. To, to just drive home how freaking cool this is that we're getting to see it. Every time I've read this book, it, it just strikes me. It's so good. Damn. Damn. Yeah. I, can't, I can't find anything to argue. That's a good pick. <laughs> um, so yeah. my, my number two, I'm choosing it because of greater implications outside of Mistborn. I'm actually going to pick, which I criticized oh. before, the very exposition-dumpy introduction of Allomancy that Kelsier gives Vin. And the reason I'm picking that is because of the tremendous impact it's had on fantasy as a whole, where now harder oh. magic systems have been popularized by Brandon. And that's really the scene that sets that up. I mean, obviously, it's the greater usage of Allomancy throughout here, but that scene changed fantasy. There have been hard magic systems before, but Brandon popularized them. And that scene is the roots of that. Setting up a, here are the rules of this system, here are its limitations, and we're gonna begin training you in it. And having the reader, in a scientific manner, understand the system, and introducing very clearly Brandon's rules for magic systems, having limitations, having flaws, and all these things, uh, I found, I'm gonna choose it because I've seen it just ca cause ripples and waves and shadows of changes throughout books published since the popularization of these hard magic systems through that. Now, I need to emphasize once again, because I always get accused of claiming this when I never do, no, Brandon did not start hard magic systems, but he sure as hell popularized them for modern authors. Yeah. Yeah, that's Agreed. a great point. <laughs> that is a great awesome. point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm glad that you said it. Ah, uh, okay. I'm going to go right, with Rob. number one. What's your favorite? And, and and you were right, Drew, in that you kind of stole this one from me, which, you know, it's it, not surprising at all because this is probably everybody's <laughs> favorite scene in some manner with Kelsier fighting the Inquisitor. Further, though, when you said your favorite, you had a very, very favorite specific part, what I thought you were going to say was my very favorite specific part, which turned out not to be, so I'm still going to say it. It's when the, the Inquisitor throws this giant steel cage 
at Kelsier, and he manages to yes. guide his body into the opening of the cage, and he keeps himself in the middle of the cage as it rolls and it smashes against a wall, and then he has this Dragon Ball Z-like just yell where he just <laughs> shatters the cage with a wave of power. All the steel goes flying everywhere, but just before he does, he sees the Inquisitor looking at him through the bars, and in that moment... The only time we ever see an Inquisitor give anyone any measure of respect nods his head. Yeah. Inquisitor's uh, like, Inquisitor's like, God. Dope. Inquisitor's <laughs> like, all right, all right, bro, that's a good, all right, I'll give you that one. That's You get that, like, oh, man, it was so good. But in case that wasn't going to be uh, accepted since we were going to not steal scenes, I came up with an honorable mention. Vin's truth bomb when she's talking to them and they are the crew is belittling her choice to continue yeah. you know flirting with and, and and hanging around Ellen Venture and she tells them she just lays it all out for them and she just calls them out on all of their hypocritical bs and then that last line of hers you're not ska you're noblemen without titles and she storms away and Kelsier is left for the first time with nothing to say i loved it it was such a good moment the only thing yeah, she needed to it. do was drop a mic. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only they were on Scadrial. And they will be in the future, though. We've seen them. Yeah. Oh, sh We're still spoiling, right? Yeah, yeah we're, we're still, still spoiling. spoiling. You're good. Good. <laughs> I assume. I don't know. No one told me we're not. <laughs> yeah. So, good. my favorite scene of the book is another scene at Clubs' workshop with Vin and the crew. But this time, it is when Vin relaxes and hangs out with them at night and they're they're drinking and eating and laughing and having a good time and Vin glances back into the darkened workshop and imagines she can see herself hiding in the shadows jealous worrying mistrusting and has this moment of introspection thinking I'm so glad I'm not that creature anymore it's not only emblematic of her her you know growth as a character but it's a beautiful bit of writing and it you know it really hit me because when i was younger i was the really shy one who would never feel comfortable going and hanging out with the group of people and having a good time i would always be the one looking from the shadows so to speak and and wondering you know what is that like and then seeing vin go from that to somebody who has learned to trust and learn to relax and enjoy herself and have friends, you know, that, that always hits me. And I love that scene. I think it's written beautifully. And I think it's a, just a perfect little bit of character development. Very nice. Very nice. Completely from left field. I hadn't even considered that one. Wow. Now I, I feel like, like a jerk because mine was just gonna be another action scene for number one. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I Go can't. Go for it, man. No one's gonna hold it against I, you over here. God, I was just gonna pick the final showdown with Kelsier and the, and the Lord Ruler, but now I feel like that's not deep. That's not cool. <laughs> what showdown? <laughs> I'm sitting here like I like the the slice, slice, stab, stab, and you're there like the emotional impact of this moment rocks me. Yeah. <laughs> It's fine. I already had one of my slice, slice, stab, stab moments. So that's true. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose the death of Kelsier because it was such a yeah. a great choice. It, as you've pointed out, as we covered here, it, it has so many seeds planted for Kelsier's grand plan. And while Kelsier's losing, he's winning, and that's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing as well that works out extraordinarily. So I, I love all the payoff there. And the you're right, uh, um, Rob. Exemplary uh, displays of uh, you know next level allomancy that we've 
never, you know, seeing it really brought to its fullest potential. You know, it, it really just struck me. You brought up Obi-Wan earlier as a better comparison, and it's so true. The You may as well have had Kelsier talking to the Lord Ruler and saying, strike yeah. me down, Darth, and I will become more powerful than you would ever imagine. Like, it's the same <laughs> arc. <laughs> that's, that's so so on point. You nailed yeah. it. Um, and I, I like that, though, that he... He, it's even like Vin is watching it happen. We have Luke standing on the side being like, oh, should I help? No, I'm just going to watch. <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, it totally it, is. Yeah. Uh, I also, okay, it's total side thing. I also love the stormtroopers that are watching Obi-Wan and Vader fight, and they're just standing there watching. I always love that, like, Vader could have a ton of help, but these guys are just like, I'm not getting paid enough. Just going to stay. They're, they're like, really you know, there is, there is a not insignificant chance that I shoot at him and that bolt is coming right back into my own throat. I'm just going to chill and watch. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the, the, the Kelsier's conclusion and I love it all the more because of Secret Histories and being able to pick with him right after that where he kind of gets to have this mission accomplished. Also, I'm going to punch gods and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And carry all that swagger into the next life as well. Kelsier. Awesome. Mm. Awesome guy. That's well, it for me. Yeah, I think that uh, brings us into the final draft, doesn't it? It does. It does. Rob, I have a what drink this time that's not water. Go ahead, Rob. Oh? Ooh. Okay. So, for this week's <laughs> final draft, I stuck closely to a theme I decided on last week, taking a leaf out of Kelsier's book, and instead of the ales, heading for the wines... Uh, and like last week, I brought on a wine. Actually, let's just say, you know what, I'll give it some context. Last week, I brought on the <laughs> wine. It was called, uh, it was white wine. It was called Sibling Rivalry. Uh, and that was actually an impulsive buy as I was walking out of the store first with this bottle. This was going to be my original one, but I'm glad I saved it for the end. Uh, this here, uh, let's see here, it's a bourbon barrel-aged Cabernet. All right, it's, it's dark cherry, blackberry, and plum. It was delicious, which is saying something, because I normally, I've, I've got on record as saying I'm not a fan of wine at all. My Portuguese ancestors are turning in their graves when I say that, but I just, <laughs> I'm not a big wine drinker. But I loved it. I absolutely loved this one. Anyway, this is a, this is a tribute to Marsh, who at one point, three quarters of the way through this book, we considered pretty dead. Like, dead, dead, dead. Uh, only, only like we have him resurrected as the newest and now chief member of the Canton of Inquisition. This one here is called Stave and Steel. Ah, I love it. Nice, <laughs> nice. Thank you, thank you very much. I, I loved that one. I saw it and I was like, "Yep, I know it. It's got to be this." And then I saw sibling rivalry on the way out, and I thought, "Oh, yeah, well, yeah. we're doing Marsh and Kelsier scene first. Okay, I'll take that one." <laughs> but I've been saving this one for a week. I had one glass of it at the top of the show. During the intro, and I've been drinking. Well, just been drinking water since. Smart, so. smart. Daniel, what yeah. do you got? I have from the finest tropical trees, fresh squeezed <laughs> kiwi oh. juice from Ooh. Amazon. <laughs> so that is my kiwi drink. juice, dude. Kiwi kiwis juice. are the, the most underrated had... fruit. Yeah, what? I have never seen kiwi juice. Is that, that... tart? Is it like sour? No, it's pretty sweet. It's gotta it's be right. Kiwi juice. No, if you if you bought like a real just kiwi and eaten it, I do that all the time. I'll just buy a kiwi and eat it. It's pretty sweet. 
Tell Damn. Me. And I, I, don't, I can't say I've ever actually like... bitten into a kiwi, so I don't know what yeah. it tastes like. And kiwi juice is like one of my faves. It's underrated, and I greatly uh, recommend it. I would and want you got it off like Amazon rum or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to That's go. That's so first some searching on Amazon because I have never had kiwi juice. I've never consider seen kiwi what juice. has happened. I want to try it now. Just consider what has happened as we're talking electronically here across thousands and thousands <laughs> of miles. That my man Daniel Green has used Amazon and online purchasing, the biggest <laughs> online purchase thing app in the world, to order a tropical fruit juice. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, cool. To Vir- yeah, to Virginia. So <laughs> to yeah, to Virginia. Totally. Now just talking about my life because I'm an egotist. Um, I just moved to Richmond, <laughs> and I'm unfortunately moved to an area of Richmond where there's not a good grocery store for like solid twenty minutes. So mm. I've had to just mm. rely on like Amazon Fresh, which has a very limited selection. And so I was like, one of the things they had was kiwi juice, and I was like, I love kiwi. So I just ordered some, and it's great, and I highly recommend it. My mind is blown right now. I have to try yeah. this. That yeah. one came from out of left field, though. Yeah. You have my interest. That has been peaked. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I chose it because uh, Vin is an underdog, and kiwi's the most underappreciated <laughs> fruit. So, <laughs> it, ha-ha, deep misword. I appreciate the effort. I like it. I like it. I like it. Well, I am drinking a beer. I know, it's a surprise. Uh, this is an oak-aged ale fermented with Britannomyces from uh, Deschutes Brewing Company. And, uh, man, it's good. It's So it's brewed with brewed with cherries and fermented with uh, Britannomyces, which is you know, one of the more popular um, kind of ingredients when you're going for, like, wild ales or, or like, barrel-aged ales. So this is pretty sour. It's a little funky, uh, but that get like some nice vanilla from the oak barrel. Very, very tasty. It's been enjoyable as hell to drink on this like unreasonably hot day. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but it is also like, uh, like Rob mentioned, you know, we have, we have a great character in Kelsier. We have a great character in Marsh. We have a great character in Elland even. All of these characters kind of, fulfill roles in their uh you know groups they're dissidents you know they 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 cause revolutions and, and rebellions and change and so this is called the dissident <laughs> <laughs> okay i like it i can appreciate it yeah very nice this is one little thing i forgot to mention during my little spiel here about drinking wine instead um for those who don't know i, I speak in a small bit of french and it occurred to me halfway through this book that the French translation for wine is literally vin. Ah! Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's of course. It's le vin. Right? They say with a little bit of stank on it, le vin. But it's, it's, that's exactly what it is. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, it occurred to me when I was welding, and I was like, oh, oh, I have to bring that up now. Yeah. Literally, right. V-I-N is wine. In well, and, and that's perfect because so many of the names in the, in the Final Empire are inspired by you know french linguistics you know yeah demu yeah you know all, all these Follette, that's right i i always get a crack out of the fact that uh technically speaking kelsier's name is kelsier yeah 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 <laughs> I, I i said kelsier for like the first four years that we were talking Drew, and i just i couldn't keep it up wait really yeah did you actually do that yeah, yeah. that's commitment. kelsier would be would be if it, you were going to pronounce it, it it's funny though because brandon even pronounces way. it kelsier <laughs> like yeah he's like if yeah. you went to the final empire they would call him kelsier but 
eh, you know. We're just gonna, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it. that uh, that's a wrap, right? I mean, mm, unless we yeah. got any closing thoughts. No, that's it for me for now. So this has been episode 73 of the Inking yep. Out Loud podcast. Next up, we are going straight on into book two of the Mistborn trilogy, The Well of Ascension. We will be covering uh, up to the end of chapter 31. We'll have a, another new guest on. Daniel, you've been awesome. Thanks for coming on. But, you know, yeah, we just dude, really needed a, a different guest. No. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You know, I have audio issues occasionally. Um, my cat's gnawing at my foot. It's distracting. I understand. <laughs> no, no. We, we, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. We, we uh -huh. hope we can have you on for another episode in the future or, or two or three. You know, who knows? Um, as always, if you want to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash inkingoutloud. You can get access to our episodes early. We've got a monthly newsletter, monthly short fiction by, uh, by Rob and me. We have uh, monthly bonus episodes, lots of fun stuff. Check us out there. I am your host, Drew McCaffrey. With me is my co-host, Rob Santos. Are you, wait, yep. are you, are you not going to plug your guys' OnlyFans? Uh, um, no, no. Anybody who really, really matters already knows about my that's, own. That's, oh, okay, that's okay, Patreon okay. exclusive content. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a hidden <laughs> to, tier. To it's hear about the that's actually a shard holder. You have to be a yeah. Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see. You know, we have like the Aes Sedai tier and the Radiant tier. That's the safe hand tier. Okay. okay. So. Safe. <laughs> yeah. I'm scandalous now. Um, yeah. And then our special guest, Daniel Green. You can, Daniel, find me on, you can find me on OnlyFans slash Daniel Green. Uh, <laughs> YouTube I guess Daniel where I'm Green heading after this. <laughs> oh, my God. Got to get those baby blues out there. <laughs> oh, God. I feel so close yeah. to you guys now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. We, we really, we really uh, went off the rails here at the end. So what happens when I drink wine, man? <laughs> what happens when I drink that kiwi juice, bro? No. Oh, yeah. yeah. What Daniel didn't tell us is the kiwi juice is 32% alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how they make it wrong. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, yeah. It's been an awesome episode. Thanks again so much, Daniel. Thank you, Drew, for the discussion. You guys have both been awesome. I'm going to get some shut-eye because I have an early, early morning tomorrow. Yep. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time.